0: Guys, this is Succession. This is HBO. If you don't want to hear me talking about Logan Roy, talking about then don't listen to this. There are bad language words in this show. Hello, and welcome to the Snake Linguini episode of Slate Money Succession. We are up to episode two of season three. I am Felix Salmon of Axios. I'm here with Emily Peck of Fundrise. Hello, hello. And very excitingly, we are here with Kurt Anderson. Welcome back, Kurt.
1: Uh, Couldn't be happier to be back. Who are you and... Why, how
0: are you qualified to it's opine Anderson. on all of this?
1: Oh, that's a deep hey, question.
0: You are the Kurt Anderson. Kurt fucking uh, well, Anderson. Well, you
1: know, uh, how <laughs> am I? I've written novels, some of which are about uh, rich media moguls. I've worked for rich media moguls. I'm I'm old, so I've seen <laughs> empires come and go. I no, watch you, you are
0: You are basically the number one most best person we can have on this show. We are going to talk about Jerry's snake linguine and all manner of family dysfunction all coming up on Slate Money Succession. Kurt, welcome. Great to have you talking about media moguls, which is a subject you know a lot about. Let me just come out and ask you, like, in terms of dysfunctional media families, where would you rate this on a scale of, like, one to verisimilitudinous?
1: Uh, as high the, as the verisimilitudinous has ever been, and beyond <laughs> media mogul families. The thing I've been amazed about and impressed by from the beginning of this series. Is how it gets rich people in general so well. Forget moguls, forget media people, but rich people. I've I've never seen it done better, frankly, in television or film. But it does the business really well. And I, back when I started deciding I wanted to be a novelist, and I wrote my first novel, it was it was a lot of it was set in the world of media moguls and business and stuff. And and at that time, it was like, well, this hasn't really been done well in fiction. Let me try to do it well. And it's still rarely done well, but man, this just knocks it out of the park forever. And and a friend of mine who was also a big succession fan said he had seen the you know trailers and said, Oh gosh, there's so much it's all these round the world shoots, and it's I, I'm worried it's not gonna be as good. Well, based on based on the first couple of episodes, I certainly have not been disappointed by what I see. You know, and we all know people who are in destructive, dysfunctional families with powerful Patriarchs, whether they're media moguls or not, but I I feel like these people are are convincingly damaged and dysfunctional. Is this normal for rich families? Well, I can't speak about all rich (laughs) families, but I mean it's not uncommon. I know, I know, I know uh, the the ones I have any firsthand knowledge of. This is kind of a lot the way it is
0: so let's talk about this episode because at the heart of this episode is a glorious scene where we get all four children together in a tiny little room and it becomes very clear that if they can only coordinate and get their act together and work in concert with each other then that would be pretty much like the optimal outcome for all of them and yet they're general fucked upness and internal mistrust and dynamics makes that completely impossible.
1: That's right. You know, it's the prisoner's dilemma kind of thing with four of them instead of two. And I mean, and there's just beyond their fucked upness, there is the the general prisoner's dilemma. I just want to do well for myself. Fuck my brothers and sisters or my father or anybody else, which which is not (laughs) unique to rich people or media moguls children. But but yeah, it's beautifully done. And and again, beautifully written. I, I I just I'm not I'm not gonna stop raving because especially television writing and film writing, but it's so often rushed to like get to the point, get to the point, you know, don't spend time meandering around. And in the scenes with with the siblings, uh the Roy siblings, figuring out that, you know, are they gonna work together? Or what's gonna go on here? It it isn't it's you know, I, it doesn't obey any kind of screenwriting uh, rules. It 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 meanders in this beautiful, incredibly convincingly naturalistic way. But yes, their their weaknesses and their fucked upness is so beautifully apparent. And you know, and I and I came away from that and other scenes thinking like sort of identifying, in fact, with the father and thinking like, yeah, I wouldn't give any of these little. Pip Pipsqueaks uh, control of my company. You know, I don't want any of them to run it. You know, but which was beautifully done. Which, which is
0: also what Jerry says, right? When she, when Roman asks for advice, he's like, "If we if we manage to defend the straight Logan, like which one of us would take over?" And she's like, "You got to be fucking joking, right? None of you is going to take over."
1: Well, that and also I, I was just thinking about it. So Jerry, I mean, making Jerry. The temporary CEO, of course, has the, is is the brilliant move for the dad to do because it it maximizes the chances that the other three are going to stick by his side because they could still work, you know, they could still win, you know, any of them. So it was, you know, in addition to the fact that they're all, with the possible exception of Shiv, in my view, weak people who you wouldn't want to run your your giant multi gazillion dollar company. Just doing this temporary thing of not giving it to any of them is obviously the move to do if you're if you're him.
2: That was what was clear to me from the episode, that the siblings are all trapped in their sibling dynamic, and they're all competing for Logan's love and <laughs> the role of his successor. And the fact that they're he keeps them that way, he keeps them dancing for him, they can't overcome it. They would never, ever be able to team up. It's impossible because Logan has built them that way. That is the dynamic, and they cannot get out of it. And it just becomes clear as these these fights continue and they're insulting each other. Shiv says something really terrible to Roman. And he walks out of the room, and then they kind of diminish Connor. And he, I don't know, he walks out of the room. And then it's still maybe going to go that they're going to team up. And then, of course, the donuts arrive. And the donuts close the deal.
0: I do think that there's this wonderful little grace note in this episode where logan who is definitely at the bottom of his arc right now he is he is very weak he is very desperate he's reaching out to anyone and everyone he can for any kind of support Uh, and this is very visible to anyone and it's obviously most visible to marsha but he phones up connor and in a very kind of transparent and needy way he's like you're number one, kiddo. And it's pathetic and it's weak. And Connor knows that it's pathetic and it's weak. But even though the even though he knows it's pathetic and weak, he can't help but like feel validated.
2: It by. works. It still works. It works. The need for your father's love is so powerful. Even when you see the manipulation happening, you still are so desperate for it. You'll take it anyway.
1: Well, you'll take just making the effort—the pathetic, yeah, uh, unconvincing effort—as something.
2: Yeah, yeah. Oh, that was amazing. You're my number one because we all remember, of course, when he hugged Kendall back in season one, and he said, "You're my number one boy," right? Yeah. Like no, no. And, and the other thing, again, rankings. I mean,
1: as we see so much of these four children in in this episode, um, that they, they are they are such distinct characters. I mean, they're so. So so distinct characters, and so, uh, but none of them obvious or familiar stereotypes. You know?
2: Yeah, they're truly unique and original people, well drawn.
0: Yeah, and 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 the writing. We need to talk about the writing in this in this episode because I mean, obviously, Kurt, you brought it up, but this was. I think Emily, you said something to me a couple of days ago, how this felt like a play. A lot of the writing in this episode, Um, there was a lot of sort of exposition to get through. This wasn't like the most dramatic episode. A lot of it falls on the quality of the writing. And the writing was excellent, but also understated. Like a lot of the punchlines, the funny things that you come to succession for, like when Kendall goes to Greg and says, You okay, dude?
3: Yeah. Yeah. You wondering if you tied your dick to a runaway train here?
0: Or, like, when when Roman says...
4: Stretch, it's a fucking scrotum over a timpani drum.
0: Those are great lines, which, if they appeared in something like Veep or in the loop, would be, like, boom punchlines, which you'd laugh at. But in this show, you barely notice them. Like, sometimes you need to, like, watch it a second time to even realize that they're there.
1: Yeah. Well, it's why I love this show so much, because it is a drama. It is not a comedy. But its creator, uh, Jesse Armstrong, is a guy whose most of whose previous writing career was in television comedy. So it's it's bringing that sensibility to this dark, serious thing that is not trying to do even the dark comedy of of a It's a serious show in which Roman, because they were brilliant to create him, is the fun is the actual joke telling character. Nobody else tells jokes really. Again, like much of my favorite literature, film, everything. It is not comic. It is not a comedy, but it has that effect again and again and again. So,
0: I I would I would say it is a comedy. I I think I know I know people say that,
1: and when I researched it, I saw that people call it a comedy. But I would think, I mean, it's so not like a you know, it's not a half hour comedy as as we've come to know comedy on TV. It's not you know, uh, you know. Yes, it is. It is comic, but. As, as serious as a heart attack, as they say.
0: But it's comic in the way that, like, you know, The Death of Stalin, the Ianucci film was comic, you know?
1: Well, except that had, no, that was, I would say, more broadly comic. I mean, th- there is a, as I say, there's a character in Roman who tells jokes, and and Greg is a funny, God knows character, and that's, what a hard uh, uh, character to play. That kid, that guy does a great job with that very difficult Role. Uh, but other than, you know, nobody tells jokes as as opposed to the death of Stalin, which, you know, there were there were jokes, you know. Uh, but it's extraordinary. The other thing about this being like a play and being low-key and all that that you said, it also doesn't have, as I think practically every previous episode has, any big party or any big event as a sort of set piece. You know, that's one of the things that this show does, and it's always magnificent and everything, but no, it's it's in a room or in a few rooms, just like stage play.
2: Yeah, it felt like there were just a few a few sets. Greg was there for our comedy relief. Greg's pursuit of a lawyer for himself um, was kind of like the lighthearted bit of the play. And then we returned to the siblings in the room kind of like hashing it out. And it felt like the the point of the episode was kind of like to just settle out the alliances. Who is going to be on whose side? Or, or to raise the question, the because there is yeah. like,
0: right now there are no alliances. Right now, everything, all the balls are in the air. And with with the exception of, you can be pretty sure, I think at this point, that Jerry is Team Logan. But like beyond that, I, I can't, and even that one's, you know, there's a small question mark. But if you think of the six or seven major players, if you include Marsha now, um, trying to work out who's aligned with whom between the four kids, Marsha, Logan, and Jerry. Like, I have no idea.
2: But, I mean, the whole point... So you, you're you not persuaded by the resolution of the meeting in Sophie's room, <laughs> in which the kids, like, reject Kendall and all claim to be behind Logan. Wouldn't that signal that that's where their alliances are, at least in the short term?
0: Correct. I am completely unconvinced that any of them is actually aligned <laughs> with
1: Logan.
2: Okay, but they're just not aligned with Kendall. They, they I think it's like
1: what people say about, you know, foreign policy. You have you have all allies are are transactional and temporary. I mean, it's it's I yeah, I, are any of them motivated in some way by family human feeling? I I don't have that impression. <laughs> Well, th-
0: there is that wonderful line from Connor where he's like, I'm a public figure, and it's not a good look for a public figure to knife his father.
2: <laughs> but then he also does say something kind of more like gentle, like, I just can't do that to, you know, how he calls him Logan Pop. I just can't do that to Pop or something. You know, it did sort of feel like he didn't want to do that.
1: Connor a did. Little bit. did yeah. That. Yeah. 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 Well, Connor. he, in his doofusy, idiotic way, yes, he could have some human sense of feeling and loyalty for his father that may have been sincere or it may have been a thing he said to himself after he decided for whatever other reasons uh not to join up against dad uh to make himself feel like he's a good guy you know i don't know
2: and i think kendall also buried himself because he said just a bunch of like batshit crazy things to his siblings and trying to convince him to come over to his side like
3: big picture we're at the end of the long american century our company is a declining empire inside a declining empire. Amen, brother. People are 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 killing themselves with guns or dope so fast that we're losing pace. Unsubscribe. We we're, we're fat-fingered fucks and we can only live on cream. US supremacy is waning. What I think is within that context we can become omninational and reposition. Because actually we are not tied culturally or physically. So so we are actually in a great position to leapfrog tech. Information is going to be more precious than water in the next hundred. Combine all our news operations, become the global news information hub. Amazon is 20 years old, Gates is an old geezer. Detoxify our brand and we can go supersonic.
0: This was the best, the best speech, the best speech. Like, I love that Kendall speech so much because it's... Like, he comes out and he's like, guys, can we clean slate this? And then he just launches into this absolute tidal wave of jargon and bullshit. And somehow, in his, you know, deep in his rubber plastic Jesus rubber soul, like feels that somehow this is going to persuade his siblings to come along with him. And you're like, this has everyone like rolling their eyes and he's talking about, like it's the end of a long American century and leapfrog tech and epiphenomenal and blah, blah, blah. And everyone watching that speech and all of the siblings are like, oh my God, you're such a nerd. And yet Kendall doesn't have the human ability to understand that this is exactly the wrong thing to say at this time.
1: To these people, especially, and was you know, the thing is again brilliant because they all are basically are rolling their eyes and like not buying it. But it's not stupid as a way to pitch that rap about <laughs> this is the end of America and all the whole thing. It wasn't a comically dumb thing. It just, as you say, he didn't understand that it wouldn't sell. And the other thing, you know, having having been the guy who has the drug problem. The 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 kind of cokehead manic quality of his whole Kendall's whole character in this episode is so we don't see him doing drugs I don't think but but man if that isn't a cokehead I don't know if I've ever seen one
0: but yeah and he definitely had but he definitely has a mad attack of the loggeria. and he loves he loves like he what does he? he turns to to Shiv and he goes is it cowardice or avarice and you're like ooh those are
1: good words yes it, yes exactly. <laughs>
2: Is that, um, for you rich uh, dude experts out there, like, is this like something that's maybe typical of someone born into massive wealth who's never been told no and who maybe thinks they're a little bit of a genius, feels like he can say and do things like this? because everyone treats him with unearned respect, so then... It
0: does have a little bit of Jared Kushner to it, right? Yeah,
2: yeah, that's what I think. That's was my takeaway. Like, this rich guy does not know how to run a business. He doesn't know how to talk about strategy. He's, like, low-grade, idiot, unqualified, and now that's clear. And I, I did feel like Shiv um, was persuaded not to get onto his side by, by how dumb he sounds, because she sounded smart in her strategy in the past.
1: It's funny, I hadn't thought of the Jared uh, connection, uh, but yes, that's he's very Kushnerian. Uh, Jared Kushnerian, except, of course, you know, Jared, at least so far, and obviously it's too late now, never did the thing that, you know, he could have, should have done about his father-in-law. He should have pulled the Kendall, right, uh, and never did. But in his, like, in over his head, kind of entitled but insecure skinny way. Uh, Kendall is a very, uh, Jared, uh, guy.
2: Apple card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple 2% on all other Apple card with Apple pay purchases and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Hello, I'm
0: Imi Harper. On the Slow Newscast from Tortoise, I tell the story of how a Hong Kong billionaire was silenced.
1: I got bombs thrown into my house. I got people came here, ransacked my computer. And I, I got people fractured me. I got this and that, but I'm safe
0: and what it reveals about the freedoms Hong Kong no longer enjoys. Listen to Hong Kong's Rebel Billionaire on the Slow Newscast wherever you get your podcasts.
4: Hi. but there's something you can do about it. And we hope you'll join us in D.C. on May 14th to explore the possible pathways out of the current situation. Go to slate.com slash amicuslive for tickets.
0: One of the things that really struck me about this episode is the way that everyone lies to everyone about everything. For no particular reason, like when Kendall goes off to talk to Stewie, and you know, uh, uh, over the street, he's like, "I'm going to go hug my kids." When, um, when uh, Shiv asked Tom if he knew that she was at Kendall's house, he's like, "No, I didn't know." Like all of these pointless lies, right? There's no reason for these lies, but they just lie reflexively because. What did Jerry call it? A snake linguini.
1: Well, if you're playing, if you're playing a game all the time, you're playing liar's poker all the time. You're gonna lie because n- n- no particular reason except keep your cards close to your vest because because you're playing this card game, you know. So, so but but to that point, I mean, the, you know, only time I was ever like a boss of a lot of people. Um, one of the reasons I decided, like, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to do this anymore much because it seems to me when you're running any kind of business even one you know a magazine with 100 people who work there you got to lie you got to you 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 are required to dissemble at least if not lie and so if you're in this if you're running whatever it's called wayfair waystar Way waystar roico yeah. uh you know the, the part of doing that at any level is is not instinctively and by default telling the truth so you know it's I think it's it goes with that even if you're not lying to your siblings and father about your other siblings and your father
2: I think lying and controlling access to information is a way to feel powerful when you maybe aren't or can't feel powerful or you're trying very hard oh definitely
0: like that wonderful scene with the manila envelope where Kendall writes. Fuck you, and puts in the envelope and hands it, and puts in the place where she was going to look. I mean, it's this wonderful sort of way of trying to feel powerful, but also just such a sibling move. Like we have all done that to our siblings, right? Um.
1: The, the other thing that you get that this show does well, just in everything about how it's made and shot and everything else, is it it, it the the bubble in which they exist of just you know being among themselves and their minions and their and is is fantastic and cuz again that's my, been my you know my anth- experience as an anthropologist of the super rich and of of big time executives in general is the bubbles in which they live you know and and uh being shocked at like what a cup of coffee costs at Starbucks which a mogul of my acquaintance once did in my presence, and 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 I think they just do that so well. And not that it's so, you know. I mean, yeah, they have private jets and all that, but it's, but this show does not do the dynasty, you know, Dallas. I'm dating myself. Kind of wealth porn, quite as much as it could. It, it I don't know, except for private jets. To me, their life is not very enviable. You know, yeah, nothing it, about they, it except except private jets.
2: <laughs> they don't do that. That nothing is shot in a way that's like dating myself to lifestyles of the rich and famousy or like makes you covet anything these people have. And in fact, I feel like what they've done with Logan so far in these first two episodes is like, he is kind of trapped in the most down market. We talked about this last week, the most like down market five-star hotel that's ever been. And there's this one shot in episode two that they they hone in on um, Logan's salad. And it's like one of those sad... (laughs) Hotel salads with the cubes of ham and the cubes of cheese, and he's just, like, poking at it. And I was like, billionaire or not, like, that's that's a bad salad. And yeah, I, I'm bad I'm with room you. I, the
0: salads
1: <laughs> are universal. I had that same so salad moment. I go, wait. You know, no, I want to be in my hotel room and have this glorious cod yes. salad that, of the likes of which I've never seen. No, that exactly
2: Oh, and he just looks, and that's when he's at most like the. He says the world is wobbling. I need Shiv. I need you know. I need Connor. I need all all my people. But who
0: he needs and who he says he needs and who he gets is, and I I cannot overestimate. I cannot overstate how happy I am about her reemergence into the show. Is Marsha like she was missing for most of season two. And boy, is she back. And I mean, she has found him at his moment of maximum weakness. She, it has come in with maximum leverage. She is being incredibly nice to him and, you know, is extracting God knows how many billions of dollars in the process in this incredibly mercenary way. And oh, my God, Marsha.
2: Oh, my God, Marsha. She 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 swoops in and they have this like it's the moment where I guess Logan's supposed to apologize to her but he's obviously incapable of doing that and says like I can't I can't eat shit, Marsha I just can't. Um, and the closest he gets to apology is saying is is saying I can sometimes get distracted and that literally counts as the apology. And then all that has to happen next, Marsha says. Of course, I might like to have a small conversation with somebody, which is code for, like, I need a lot of money to make this happen. Make it happen for me. And it does. It was so amazing.
0: She has the single best line in the episode. I have to come out and say, this is the best line of the episode. was when, like, Hugo says, well, look, nothing happened.
3: Because we really would say that nothing ever happened.
1: She's a whore, and it's not my problem if she wouldn't finish him. Yes. Interesting thing about her, too, is... One of the things that I thought again was so plausible and 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 realistic about this whole thing is that none of them really have any fixed plans, which is to say, Logan or the kids or what are we going to do now or Kendall, like uh, they're just like they're they're, they're at at sea. She she is the one character who comes in. Here's exactly what I want. buy, and here's my person that will get it for me, and I'll go uh, massage. Logan's neck in the background while, while she does the deal. No, she she is like, wow, talk about, like, captain of industry, you know, master of the universe. She She's it in this uh, episode.
2: Someone sent an email about, like, some prediction market where they're taking bets on who's going to be the CEO of Waystar Royco, and she's up there. I think she might have been had the best odds, Marsha. And I kind of, after what, what Kurt's saying is totally true, she's the one with the strategy she executes her plan. She gets what she wants. Like, I cannot say the same for anyone else. Um, so maybe she has the chops. Maybe she's the one.
0: I do want to talk a little bit, unpack this wonderful Greg lawyer subplot. Greg is not the smartest egg, um, but he's smart enough to know that he needs a lawyer. Um but and so he turns to his like school friend and is like, what should I do? And she's like, I have no idea. i just, I'm in my first semester. Um, and basically he has Kendall saying, I will set you up with a lawyer who is obviously going to be aligned with Kendall. He has Jerry literally sending a lawyer to his door and saying like, here's your lawyer who's obviously going to be aligned with Waster. Um, and he feels like he doesn't, he can't choose like, does he want the Waystar lawyer or does he want Kendall's lawyer? And what he winds up doing is meeting his grandfather. And the grandfather says, I'll take up with lawyer. And Greg, once it's already too late, realizes that even you and the avuncular grandfather, like is, is just out for his own um, agenda and has no interest in, in giving Greg actually what Greg needs. Um, and that is the first case where Ewan feels a little bit despicable. I think in this show,
1: if not despicable, certainly uh, his 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 moral high ground got lower. And 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 again, what an interesting choice to make him not just be a guy who disapproves of his brother for whatever reason, but actually has this specifically left wing agenda with his old, you know, William kunstler esque. A left-wing lawyer, I, I what a, what an interesting choice. I mean, Greg to me, he's plausible and, and and hilarious, and he's why I think that's such a hard character to play is he is the most truly almost implausibly comic character in his stupidity. Not not entirely because we all know stupid young dude bros like that, but or maybe we do. But I think it, if if they don't have it pasted on the wall of their writers' room. But some version of nobody is good in this in this show. No character is totally virtuous in this character, or even partially virtuous. Really, I mean, well, Ewan is maybe partially vir- virtuous, and and Greg is is you know for all that Greg has done is, is not the le- is you know maybe the least evil, <laughs> you know.
2: I don't understand like what the end game there actually is. Does that mean they want to take down Waystar Royco? Like, what what is happening with that? I don't know.
1: Uh, we'll see. I mean, that's why it's so interesting. <laughs> so, like,
0: but but Ewan has been, like, dropping the same hint twice. It's like, I'm putting my affairs in order. And Ewan is a major shareholder of Waystar Royco. And what it means for him to be putting his affairs in order, um, you know, it would not surprise me if he were... Um, somehow back channeling with Sandy and Stewie, but also like he probably hates Sandy and Stewie just as much as he hates his own brother. So you know, there could who knows, maybe there's some like weird connection between Ewan and Marsha. Like, again, like the alliance is as fluid, but he I think has a plan. Marsha has a plan, but I think Ewan has a plan as well. We just don't know what that plan is.
1: Speaking of the the left this the sudden left wing story thread it, i thought they did again what what don't they do well but the the calls that uh logan and jerry made to the president and the president's whomever chief of staff or whoever that was supposed to be were so well done and shows you know the actual access of super rich people especially super rich media moguls to to presidents and their and their you know uh, closest minions. And and again, it's just a glimpse of plutocracy. You know, really just lovely without being overdone and not like, you know, calling up, you know, and Logan saying to the president, do this, and the president does it. Nothing that broad or crude or vulgar, you know, just the way it would actually, I think, be and come down and play out.
2: Is that how it would be? I mean, I, I was thinking, I guess, of, of um, Roger Ailes and Donald Trump and that whole time you know, period where Trump would come out and say like nice things about.
1: Yeah, but Trump. I mean, Trump. We can't. I mean, we can't. We can't assume that the president. In this that the what is he called the raisin? The raisin uh, is is Donald Trump <laughs> or anybody like him. But um, yeah, I, I don't know I, whether it's how it would play out. It's it's just it's more subtle and nuanced and less like you know s- stupid than it would be so often done in in fiction.
0: And and. I, I think that, you know, it, the relationship that Logan has with the president is probably not that far off the relationship that, say, Rupert Murdoch had with George W. Bush. Uh, it's, it's, it's less powerful. Like, Rupert Murdoch has much more access to and even control over the heads of state in the UK and Australia. But it's, but like, so he, he's still in a little bit of sort of supplicant mode when it comes to president of the United States, but he definitely has
1: access. Exactly. And, and and again, Trump is this outlier so far uh, th- where, where you know, I'm sure Rupert Murdoch could call him up and tell him that th- th- I'm sure there was a more direct right. thing there than ever existed with Rupert Murdoch and his and his and the previous presidents or subsequent presidents. Right. With,
0: with Trump, of course, famously, he would call Rupert yes. and would yes. just rant at him on the phone to the point at which Rupert kept on trying to like, hang up on him and Trump would just not s- shut up.
1: Yeah. So so the the thing of being oh the president's not going to talk to you so you're number 2 talk to the president's number 2. Yeah, that that seemed true.
2: And I was going to say um in in terms of plutocracy there's a scene um in season 2 where Logan says something about the raisin the president. He says something like I've seen so many of these guys. Like I've been in business. I've seen what eight 10 presidents like he's he believes himself to be and i think probably is true for a lot of these guys to be more powerful than a president he's in and out like logan is he or was the forever president right i mean these guys have more power than any political figure
0: some do like and i think that's one of the differences between media moguls and the ultra rich that like media moguls have wealth and power whereas rich mm. people just have wealth
1: depending on how corrupt the party is we're talking about
2: but we can go back to the limo, Felix, with um, Sandy's daughter and and Stewie. Thank God Stewie is back. I felt about his reappearance. <laughs> I wanted more. I missed him in the first episode.
0: Everyone um, loves. Tried Stewie. Tried to send
2: a severed head, but the paperwork was too much. He's <laughs> great. I just I was really glad to see him. I hope he plays. A, a, he gets almost all the good lines. Him and Roman, I think, vie for the best lines. Right. So, but it wasn't clear to me. Back to the limo conversation is sandy and stewie are they back with kendall now are they
0: so sandy and stewie are still in this the longest proxy fight that has ever existed in the history of proxy fights it started in season one and it's still going on in like episode two of season three and basically kendall is making a profit to them he's saying if we team up if if i put my votes with you I will give you the board seats. I will not I will make you a central part of the board and you can have a bunch of control and power and we will kick out Logan. And in return for that, can you like drop this proxy fight? And Sandy and Stewie kind of at this point are not persuaded that Kendall has a clue what he's doing. And so they're they're basically being non-committal. But one little bit of reality that I did want to ask you specifically about, Kurt was when connor talks about the wolf pack when he talks about the the guys that you know with logan and mo and the wolf and the guys who are like running the cruises and running the show and there have been a lot of profiles of late of david zaslav who is the new media mogul in town um, and how he does these big you know all-male retreats and dinners with all of the other media moguls and feels I think the word wolf pack might actually have like been in some of those profiles does the wolf pack as a concept still exist in in media
1: that's a that's a very good question it seems like you know certainly (laughs) since 2017 the the stakes and the risks of wolf packery would have made it more rare but you do have the shadow of the late, unlamented Jeffrey Epstein, of course. Um, and that was all happening, you know, a decade within, you know, not the last couple of years in that way, but certainly recently. Still, I mean, sure. I mean, is there stuff like that going on? I, I would, you know, the, the, the wise bet would be to bet yes. And there is a sense in terms of, of the, the show— which is it's 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 in the past, right? It's, they they talk about it as these old older guys uh, in the past, so that seems entirely uh, plausible. And again, in the previous season, they explained what that was all about more specifically. Now in this episode in this season, they're just kind of referring to it as though we know because we do. But but again, I I it's it's interesting given that that was that is the big part of Kendall's turn play. Is that how how relatively unspecific in in what we just have seen they are being about what those crimes and misdemeanors are?
2: The pipeline of sad dancers. <laughs>
0: yeah, right,
1: Shiv does like provide a little bit of
0: um, useful Aiden memoirs when she's talking about like throwing migrants off the side of boats and in international waters and that kind of you know less than less than sterling behavior.
1: And in terms of hiring these. Female comms at people and lawyers. If you're Kendall, it, it it obviously makes that all the more interesting. Yeah. I mean, those
0: all, all of the powerful lawyers are women, right? It's just the slightly doofusy communist who's a man.
1: Correct. And so far, I mean, none of those people, even though they're on the right side because Kendall is on the right side, come across as sterling epitomes of virtue either.
2: No, and Kendall explodes at Shiv at at the end of that whole conversation and makes that crass comment about her.
0: (laughs) I was the only one you wanted. Yeah, I was the only one who mattered.
3: Yeah, only because you're the girl. Girls count double now, didn't you know? Oh,
2: yeah. No, I know. I fucking know. It's
3: only your teats that give you any value. So, you know, it's only your teats
2: makes that comment and just undercuts everything he's said before. You know, he's on the right side of everything. And then he says, the only reason I wanted you is because you're a woman and you're more valuable in these times. It's like, okay, well, it's clear now, though we knew before, that this is not about ethics.
1: No, no. And and (laughs) now women are worth twice. Women are worth (laughs) double. No, that was brilliantly done and uh, leaves it up to you, the viewer, to sort of say, oh, it, this is just bullshit. He's, you know, this, this, this being the, you know, fighter for women, uh, without having any character say that.
2: Yeah, yeah. And it's the beautiful too. I think, like you're saying, that they don't really like spell out the allegations ever, even when they first broke in season two. We still don't have like a fully clear understanding of of what of what happened actually. Like it's just sort of like out there. There's like hints of it, but it's not bank come like being you're not being banged over the head with
0: There it. was that very long Wall Street Journal story, but like the characters have read it, but we just kind of got Yeah, the we chips. don't know what it
2: says. This season, like it could be like a like a quote unquote, like about the Me Too, how Me Too played out in the in the media and amongst powerful people. And the truth about how it played out is so different from how you would maybe think about it from the outside. You know, it's just it's just about bad times for powerful people and how they react to it and align themselves around it It has nothing to do with like we're exposing bad behavior blah 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 also i just very randomly need to mention this the photo for logan on shiv's phone is saddam hussein just I just needed to mention that in case you missed it. Go back. That and was mi- so great. missed it. Wow. That was <laughs>
0: the great. very first shot in the episode. <laughs> is that yeah? Logan's phoning and like up comes Saddam Hussein is the picture. And you're like that is awesome. Have
1: we had any? Speaking of which, in this show so far, any jokes about any of them calling themselves Uday and Qusay or something? And I, I, I guess not. But
0: no, I mean we we did have. Roman kind of kidnapped in some obscure Middle Eastern t- country.
1: Oh right. Yeah. That was fun. Or or Turkey. <laughs> one of those. I don't know if Middle <laughs> East. Yeah.
0: But as as a great murdochologist Kurt, we 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 should also um I'm not,
1: I'm not Michael Wolf. Who do you think you're talking to?
0: <laughs> really? I thought you were Michael Wolf. Um I I should ask you about the the bit where Marcia starts laying out her list of demands and she's like I want my. I want to be part of the trust. I want my children to be like part of the trust. Like this is very, very much a Murdoch um, thing, right? This is exactly what Wendy Deng did with her daughters.
1: Cor- Precisely correct. And why why I mentioned why I brought her up earlier is yes, it, it is exactly. E- even though in that instance, in in the real life quasi inspiration for this story. Um, he, I think she did that actually before the end of the marriage, and this isn't the end of the marriage. And he had some leverage in that case because of her shenanigans with, say, the Tony Republican Blair minister of the UK. <laughs> yes,
0: <laughs> all right. So, Emily, yes, what did yes. you think of, of this episode overall? Do you have a favorite line? Do you have any major takeaways?
2: Um, I feel like this is kind of like a setup episode, you know. It's setting us up for the rest of the season, but in itself, it's not, I don't think it's one of my favorite episodes. So, and as far as favorite lines, because that's what we always do on Slate Money Succession, um, I think it would be...
4: Oh, you mean us? This multi-fucking ethnic transgender alliance of 20-something dreamers we got right here?
2: Which is what (laughs) Roman said to refer to he and Such a great
1: line. (laughs) such a great line
0: i I think i think i'm gonna go with the roman line as well which is when he 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 calls up jerry and he goes i'm just gonna put my dick in your mad scheming scissor hands (laughs) here um i i agree i think i think this was there was a bunch of like blocking and tackling in this episode which is setting us up for for future fireworks but kurt what did No, I I
1: think there was, you had to do what they did, or you had to do, you you had to do the, okay, now what happens? And the fact that they did it without any, you know, six months later, but it was like moments after the the previous season ended, I think I I liked because it it didn't seem a cheat. It, it, It seemed more real. So I thought that was fine. It wasn't. If we had to rate all whatever how many episodes there have been twenty x so far, it's it's not one of the very best. But given that I'm always worried with shows I love, like oh is it going to keep it up? Ooh, is it going to be as good? I I felt like whoa we're back. Uh, I I I am satisfied even though it's not one of the best uh, episodes ever.
0: Like I'm sure we're all watching it on on HBO Max. It's on demand. I can say as someone who's watched it twice, it's better the second time. If you if you can. You know, if you're the kind of person who likes to ever watch episodes twice, um, Succession is definitely one of the shows where you do want to watch it twice, and especially this episode. It benefits from a
1: second. Well, and now know. I need to watch it twice just to see Saddam Hussein uh, come up on. <laughs> Wait, you
0: only need to watch it for the first like thirty seconds, and then then you can turn yeah. it up.
1: Um, but no, so I I I am I, I am uh, I'm not worried at all, and I think and and no all of all that was great in general uh, about the previous seasons to me is I feel like they've still got their stuff. They're not they're not being complacent. They're not being lazy
0: oh wait i'm gonna i just need to mention one more line because i love it so much and i forgot because greg doesn't have so many awesome lines but that line where he turns to kennedy goes
3: you know i don't really want to go to congress again i, I i'm kind of too young to be in congress so much you know <laughs>
0: <laughs> so once again applause for the writers room a succession we love them very much based as they are in my my hometown of south london thank you kurt for coming on the show it's always amazing and awesome and brilliant to have you on the show
1: well uh you know you you keep giving away perks like advanced screening copies of succession and i'll be back <laughs> as often as you want
0: brilliant um so yeah we'll be back next week with episode three of sleep money
1: succession <laughs>